When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Empire. You thought you knew, but you have no idea. It's the urban sports scene. Listening to the urban sports scene with Ray Jeezy and myself, Wole, and we are part of Amplifier Media at AmplifierMedia.com. The homie Will T is out, but Ray Jeezy, what's good, my man? All is well. College football right on the cusp. We're excited. Howard, Alabama State, that's the game I'm looking forward to. You know, Larry Scott, that's our guy. That's our guy. So he, he's, he's having basically his coming out party because he started during covid so he's excited, and I'm excited for the Howard football program. Shout out to Kenneth Blakeney, too. Of course, he, he was excited as well for Howard's first football game. Yeah. I'm hoping Howard wins. And he gassed up the homecoming for us, though. Oh, he did. <laughs> October 22nd. October 22nd. Let's go. <laughs> you know it. Hey, yeah, everything's good, man. Also, um, Amp, like I mentioned before, I mentioned about Amp, Empire Media. <laughs> Empire Media hosts multiple DMV sports podcast shows, such as the John Kime Report, hosted by ESPN Washington Commanders insider John Kime. And Jones Football, hosted by USA Today insider Mike Jones. You can subscribe to our podcast on Stitcher, Spotify, iTunes, TuneIn, iHeartRadio, and Google Podcasts. Just search the Urban Sports Scene. Make sure you subscribe to the Urban Sports Scene YouTube channel as well. Yes. Subscribe. Check like, out check out the like YouTube video. channel. It's, it's dope. It's dope. And like videos, man. It helps the algorithm. Hit the like and subscribe button. Also, <laughs> you can check the Urban Sports Scene out on Podcast DC, the local app with hundreds of options in news and health in the DMV region. Download the Podcast DC app to hear all of the Empire shows as well as other great content. And don't forget to tweet us at Urban Sports Scene. Hit us up on IG at Urban Sports Scene. And, of course, like our Urban Sports Scene Facebook page. Also, join our Urban Sports Scene Facebook group. Search Urban Sports Scene, sports bloggers, sports podcasters, and sports debates. Man, Will T would normally say it, but I'm going to say it. Let's get into our tradition, the pregame. Here's what we have on tap. We'll recap the Commanders' preseason game against the Kansas City Chiefs and preview the final preseason game against the Baltimore Ravens. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry. No, don't do that. (laughs) I hate you. <laughs> play by play voice of the voice of the commanders, Brand Weinstein, will join the show at 825. We'll talk about Usyk defeating Anthony Joshua to retain his heavyweight titles. Boxing expert Johnny Signorella. Signorella. Johnny Sig. Let's go. Keep it simple. For this segment. No, nah, you gotta say his whole name. Show appreciation for the man. Absolutely. Even though I messed that thing, messed that thing up. At 848, we'll talk about the NBA trade rumors that include Donovan Mitchell and the New York Knicks. Mm. Finally, in our segment, HBCU Corner, we have a pre-tape interview with Norfolk State men's basketball coach Robert Jones. All right, so right now I have the privilege of introducing our guest, and I promise before we came on, he's tired, and I'm not going to turn this into a heated debate. It's going to be a friendly visit. <laughs> so we are, right now we are blessed to be joined by the play-by-play voice of the Washington Commanders and founder of Empire Media, Bram Weinstein. Bram, what's up, bro? You have to like I'm scared. I'm scared. Man, we know you ain't scared. When the, when the light goes on, I'm ready to go. You just have to tell everybody I'm tired. That's what I do on my trip. 
here's here's the thing. You know, I feel like we edged you out on that last debate, and we haven't heard from you since. So I, I was just making sure that we were on good terms. That's all. Oh, uh, see, when you, for your listeners who don't remember, the last time I was on, you tried to explain to me how great the Ravens are. And then, like, oh, coincidence, you guys want me on this. Oh, like, I don't remember that? Oh, okay. It's a coincidence. It, it, it really is. You were supposed to come on for the Kansas City Chiefs preview. Yes. However, some circumstances came up, and yeah. we had to we had reschedule exactly. for you this week. So it, it wasn't on purpose, but I think it is sort of a fate. great it's, – It's right. It's there fate. you go. It's fate that you're coming on <laughs> to talk about the Battle of the Beltway. So – it's the last preseason game, though. Nobody's going to play. Terry got the contract. Lamar didn't. So maybe the commanders are looking better right now. I don't know. I mean, here's what I want to know. All right, like, why is Lamar not taking their money? Like, what is that about? Uh, like, that's... I don't get it, man. <laughs> like, look, man, I've been around sports too long. Mm-hmm. And most of the time, when a player refuses to take their money, that actually means they want to leave. So I don't really – I have no clue what's going on up there with that. And it makes no sense not to take it the way he plays. Mm-hmm. He's crazy putting himself out on the field under a couple franchise tags. They have him under control for three years. They want to give him $250 million. Dude, sign that piece of paper. Like what, what in the world are you thinking right now? Well, he's his own agent. Patrick Mahomes got upwards of 400 Fifty million, I believe. He wants to be paid closer to what Patrick Mahomes is being played. He feels like he's at that elite level. That's my guess. And I have sources up there saying he also has some specific stipulations that the Ravens are not wanting to meet at this time. So, like what? Yeah, tell, tell him, right? <laughs> I can't speak to any specifics. I'm just telling you what I heard. You might have better sources than I. Here's here's what I know. Somebody wants to give me two hundred fifty million dollars. I will happily accept it. But that's just me. That's just me. Oh, I accept it too. I don't yeah. know what's going on. Juan, Juan Soto turned down more, bro. So you never know. Maybe Scott yeah, Boris is. Uh, don't, giving... don't, even, don't start with them. <laughs> I'm just I kidding. Up with We're... the Nationals. I'm done with them for a while. See, see Brandon, you need to be. See, Brandon, you gotta be like me. You gotta be an Orioles fan. No. Yes. You well, be fan. They're winning right now. Yeah. Don't I grew up an Orioles fan. Exactly. Of okay. course, we all we all did. I'm old. Memorial. Memorial. So HTS, Brandon yeah. Graham, HTS. I went to Home Memorial. I went to Memorial Stadium just like you did, Bram. Anyway, yeah. anyway, we're not gonna do the Baltimore. We're, this has turned into a Baltimore versus DC debate already, and, and that's not the intention. But let's talk about the last preseason game, Bram. Last week, Kansas City Chiefs they came to play Washington first stringers. Uh, didn't produce much on offense. What did you think about Carson Wentz in offense? You know, I'm actually like, I was, I'll be honest, like, I was really, he comes with a lot of baggage, you know, because everyone's saying, like, all these things about him. He's on his third team in two years, and I watched the Colts games, and, you know, there was a lot of inaccuracy there, and, like, I've got my own opinions about, I think, you know, like, what I saw and what my concerns are with him coming here. Then the first couple of weeks of camp, you know, there was a lot of inaccuracy at camp, uh-huh. and I'm not going to lie, I was, like, worried. And then, Honestly, these first two preseason games of all the things that I, you know, I'm, I'm nervous about that I think are issues for this team, I actually feel way better about him. Like those first two games, he's accurate, he's in control, he knows where the ball is going. Like there's some mistakes. There's a couple I'm sure he'd like back on the Kansas City side of the 50 if he could do those over again. But outside of that, like I actually feel a lot better about him. And I'm hoping he's taking some of this character assassination crap to heart because 
that owner in Indianapolis will not shut up about him. And honestly, it's just enough. Like, he was not that bad. He's not a bad guy. He is a hard worker. Nobody's putting a homework clause in his contract. Like, all I've seen so far from this guy is he's a high-level talent. And is he a top-five quarterback right now? No. But, like, can you win with him? Yeah, and like everything I've seen so far suggests to me that we're in pretty good hands here until proven otherwise. So I actually feel pretty good about him, albeit like, yeah, I would have liked to see a couple scores. I mean, they got across the 50 twice and didn't score. So there's some situational football stuff on both sides of the ball that are, are, are a little concerning about their performance so far. See, Ram, I, agree. I am with you when it comes to Carson Wentz. So for me, like folks always ask me, how do you judge preseason games you know, for offense, I, I don't like to judge. I don't judge points and points or whatnot. Like I don't do that because, like, I've been I've been around with Steve Spurrier. I've seen the offense score Here like hundred <laughs> points in preseason. So, and Joe Gibbs, who, if people remember his preseason, his offense didn't show you a lot in preseason either. So I'm oh, cool with that. But in terms of assessing individual play, like Carson Wentz, I was I'm impressed with Carson Wentz at, in, in, during preseason. I think he's been like you said, he's been accurate. I remember the pass he threw to uh, Curtis Samuel up the middle that like, he thread the needle it was like right. The, the defender was right there, but he threw it right at the perfect spot in the Kansas City game. Uh, he hit uh, Scary Terry up the middle, for, I think, for like a 15, 20-yard pass um, at the right spot, low and down, so you know, so the defender wouldn't be able to get the football. I've liked Carson Wentz. I know that a lot of people want to always you know, bash him because of what happened in Indy the last game against Jacksonville, but I liked uh, what I've seen from him individually in the, in the preseason. Now, you mentioned you know both sides of football. Like That defense, though, Bram, I don't, I don't know, man. That defense, I don't know. Yeah, I, I, that's to me. That's way more concerning through the first couple of games, honestly. Like, it, it like again, I'm with you. Like, the results don't matter that much to me, but it's really the situational stuff um, that I more look at. And and here's something that's happened that has been a carryover from last year, and it's concerning. Like every single half that they come out of the locker room, the opposing team goes on a very long drive and scores points uh-huh. every single one of them like <laughs> it doesn't matter who the quarter this is four different quarterbacks <laughs> four so like that to me is a trend and that to me is a problem how many times have they been behind in games like it's been consistent both seasons they started slow like i don't know what it is things tighten up with them but if there's like one thing that I've seen, you know, uh, with the defense specifically is that's not a coincidence when it's every single half starts that way. So something's up there. And then secondarily, and Rod Rivera's already talking about it again, and we saw it on display in Kansas City. How many times that third string quarterback run through gaping holes in the defensive line because there's no gap control? Mm. Like, he keeps talking about these, but two years of this talking about this, whether it's the starters or the primary backups, and you could say, well, those were the backups. Those are the backups that are going to make the team. Like those weren't the backups that aren't going to make the mm-hmm. team. Those are the backups that are going to make the team. So, and with Chase Young out and that they rotate people, these are people that are going to play. So, you know, I, I think that there are a couple things that I'm concerned about. And it's funny, like I walked in going, I'm very worried about the linebackers and the depth in the secondary of Carson Wentz. I feel better about Carson Wentz. I feel better about Holcomb and Davis. And I like the aggressiveness of the back seven, specifically Derek Forrest and Percy Butler. And so like all Derek the Forrest. things I thought I'd be really, really, really concerned about, 
I'm less concerned about. But the parts that are supposed to be functioning really well, like the defensive line, aren't. And that's where that's where I'm kind of concerned heading into the season. With a real Bram, please stand up. I thought it was going to be a love fest. I appreciate you just keeping it a buck, man. That, that, that was amazing. And I want to say this. I know that the defense didn't play well against Kansas City. However, especially Montez Sweat. They got pressure. They just didn't finish. If you could just finish those sacks, we say this is a game of inches. I believe that that could make a big difference, especially for the offense, if you can get the offense in good field position. So what were some of your bright spots in this Kansas City game outside of what you've already said? I was glad to see Heineke have a bounce-back game. I think that was really important because he he was not very good in the first game. Um, And the biggest bright spot to me is – how the offensive line held up yeah. like yeah. like the thing with with Wentz too for this game they intended to play the starters for a half they literally couldn't because they ran out of people um their offensive line was really beat up going into this game and they were down to two live bodies at tight end neither of which would be starters on this team so what they wanted to do they couldn't do but the fa- and it, it got to the point where closer to kickoff i'm like do you even put Wentz and McLaurin and Dotson guys like that out there? Because I don't want to see somebody get hurt. Mm. Like, there's just no point in putting Brian Robinson or Gibson or people like that out there. Get them hurt because the line can't hold up. And I actually think they did a great job. Sadiq Charles was very good. Yes, extremely was. athletic. Like, we've been waiting for this from him. Um, the centers held up. Rulier held up. It was his debut. Mm-hmm. Lucas, who hasn't practiced the whole offseason, uh, sorry, training camp because of a minor health issue, held up. He was fine. And this guy, Aaron Montero, he's deep on the bench. He played the whole game at both guard positions and held up. So that, to me, was a good sign. It, it's not something that's going to last. you know. So they got to get their guys back. But I thought if you're looking for like silver linings, that was good. This guy, Armani Rogers, can play. They've developed him. He looks good. And the other things that I really do like is, you know, while Mahomes looked like Mahomes and kind of lit them up, you know, and that just doesn't look good and he kind of embarrassed them, I do like the aggressiveness of the secondary. They look like they've come to hit two weeks in a row. Davis looks like he's more comfortable this year. So I like kind of the vicious, aggressive nature of the defense, albeit, you know, the results don't look too hot with how many scores they've given up, especially early in the games. So, so Bram, <clears throat> from listening to you, I'm get, I'm saying, I'm, th- I'm thinking you're saying that John Masco is the best coach on the team, offensive line coach. I mean, like the Masco magic continues. Like, <laughs> but, but the, you know, like the reality is this though, and, and I think, like, it's all a great story that they could stay competitive doing this, but it's not going to last. Like, you can't go into the season with half of an offensive line and expect to get them all back. Mm-mm. So they're going to need some. They're going to need. I don't know what they're going to do, frankly. Like, I want to see what happens here. And my gut says next week when we get down to 53, if there is a good, valuable veteran who just got beat out because of numbers, Uh I have a feeling they need to add a live body here because there's just too many people going in and out of the lineup for me to feel comfortable. Because I've already come to terms with, you typically have a starting five or you go into a season with a starting five. This is not going to be that team. Like they're going to be rotating people like that's that's like an out of attrition and out of necessity. And I love this coach. He's done a great job with them. He deserves the Nobel Prize for what he's done the last couple of years. But the reality is you've got to have live bodies that can play at this level to succeed. And I'm concerned about it. 
Hey, Brent, real quick, can you expound in terms of the rest of the coaching staff? Coach Rivera has seemed a little a little more terse lately with the media. Uh, I don't know if you picked up that vibe. And what's your thoughts about Coach Del Rio and are these coordinators on the hot seat, especially on the, on the defensive side? You know, I don't, I don't really know. Like, mm. I think, I think. listen, this is year three. Um, there have been some things that have happened, you know, here, especially in camp where, you know, they fired an assistant coach in the middle of camp. That's an unusual thing to do. Mm-hmm. Had they fired Sam Mills six months ago, I wouldn't have thought a thing about it. But, like, because they did it when they did it, um, it was a little, you know, it was just unusual and it was surprising. And then, you know, the stuff with Antonio Gibson last week, like, he's going to be a really big part of this team. But, like, it kind of festered in the media in a way that it made it sound like he was benched and they were really ticked at him and all the, you know, so, and I just felt like it just feels like there's a little bit of tension going mm. on. And it's the type of tension that, you know, part of me feels like he's, Rivera's trying to outwardly say, we need to get it done this year. Like, it needs to be better this year. And there's a part of it that feels like, man, like, this thing's about to burst, you know, like, because there's just a lot of tension in the room. And as far as Del Rio goes, I mean, I just, I don't, I don't think there's, there's any, like, inkling of he's going anywhere but obviously if they have a really bad season you know i think everything's on the table for potential changes but i'm just hoping that that doesn't happen and i do think they have a good enough unit that they should be i want to be fair to them top half of the league you know i'm not expecting top five but like top half of the league and considering what their schedule looks like on paper i don't think they have much of an excuse not to be that so if they're not you know i think it's going to be it's going to be there's gonna be a lot of explaining to do yeah, as well, because I kind of I, I agree with you, Graham. I think I feel like um, that he's I like there's a lot of there's pressure on Rivera. I think he feels the pressure to a certain not feel the pressure, but he know he understands it's year three. It's time to turn the program around. Um, but I want to actually go dive into something about you, you mentioned uh, the Jack Del Rio real quick. So say you said like if, if if he has a whole season that's bad. Say that he starts this season slow. Would he be on the hot seat like quick? Could he? Be, could this be a, a in the season move? Is that a possibility? I don't really, I don't really get any sense that that's happening, okay. Okay. like at all. Gotcha. Like, like there's not even a whiff of anything like that. In the same way, like in the beginning, in like in the beginning of the year after the season was over, Rivera kind of put himself on the hot seat a little bit by saying, like, I know we need to win, things need to be different. They got, you know, very publicly desperate to get a quarterback. Like they were acting, you know, in a way where they like they understood the urgency. And then I like would sit back and think about it, and I'm like. Nobody in the media is talking about this is winner else for Ron Rivera. He's his own boss. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't really get where the pressure is coming from. And even now, like, none of us when we're at practice, you know, who, you know, cover the team and talk about the team, nobody's talking about it that way. Yeah. Now, if they have a really, really, really bad year, well, then obviously we're going to have a conversation about it. Nobody's anticipating it. Like, I think they're kind of too good to fail that way. Okay. I think their schedule's kind of set up. Like, if they had a four or five win season, I'd be shocked. Like, that would, Something really went wrong, you know, if that happened. So I would be shocked if that happened that way. So I don't really get any sense at all that any more moves like that are happening. You know, I could be wrong about that, but there's no festering like Del Rio better get it done earlier or he's out. I don't gotcha. I don't feel that at all. Gotcha, gotcha. All right, so, I mean, let's, 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 let's go to another situation. Obviously, this, on, good, on, on a good term, um, tight end Logan Thomas uh, has been activated off the uh, PUP list, the pub list. Uh, do you expect do you, do you expect for him to have a huge impact early, or do you think that fans have their expectations are a little too high? You know, knowing that he tore his ACL last season. 
Uh, you know, he has this, he practiced for the first time today, and he was not in team drills. So I think everyone needs to kind of temper their expectations. Like, I don't know that he's even playing week one. But him coming off the pup list tells me he's coming back sooner rather than later. So that's that's obviously good. Um, and I think he's a big part of what they do. And I know they love this guy, Cole Turner. They really like Bates in a lot of different roles. But I think we've all seen what Logan can be in third down situations and specifically in the red zone. Yeah. And we also know that Carson Wentz, he's on his tight ends. Uh-huh. So, I, I, you know, I think he's a potential huge part of what they're doing. But I just think everyone needs to be fair to him. Yeah. The serious injury he suffered. It was late in the season. He's he's coming back faster than I think we anticipated. Yes. Yesterday was really, really, really good news. And I expect to see him early in the season now, if not week one. And I don't expect him to take the number of reps early in the season that he was accustomed to. I think they're going to rotate until he gets back up into football shape. So that may take a little time. But he, he falls into the category of someone like, if he is looking and feeling like himself by like week five or six, it's a win. Yeah, I agree. I, I feel like when you're coming off an ACL injury, the following year you come back, the year you come back, you're typically not yourself because you have to trust your knee. And then the year after that, that that the year after that, that's when you get the real the real player. The only, the only person that kind of changed that rule was Adrian Peterson. Folks don't yeah. usually typically you're not the same person. That's why I'm like fans have to chill out a little bit um, when it comes to him because. You know, it's a rarity. It's not It's not a thing that happens often where a player can come back off of ACL and put up the same numbers. Yeah, no, I agree. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's what I'm saying. Like, I think tempered expectations here. Like, mm-hmm. I'm glad he's coming back. Yeah. I'm glad he's going to be playing soon. Like, just be fair to the guy. Like, he's coming off a very serious injury. It may take a little time before he kind of looks like himself again. So another player that – well, another player that was put on, on the list, uh, Chase Young – going to probably miss about four to five. looks like four games, the first four games for easily. Um, minimum. Minimum. Right. Minimum. So what are your thoughts about that? I have, I'm hearing a lot of things about that. Some fans are, like, mad because he didn't work out with the team and they're blaming that situation on him not being ready now or, no. or whatever. What, is your, what are your thoughts? Let me put that to rest. Please. Like, please do that for me. Th- <laughs> let, let me seriously, like, this guy suffered a very serious injury. And – he is extremely important to this team. Like they are taking it slow on purpose with him because they do not want to rush him back and they do not want him to get re-injured. He is that important to them. Um, we knew in the early spring he was not playing week one. It was cl- like without a miracle happening. So we have the people, you know, who around it a lot have been waiting for this. This was not news today. Like this this was a obvious conclusion to him not being able to play the first four games. It's they put him on this list so that they don't have to burn a roster spot for him. That's why they did it. He's not going to be able to play the first month anyway. I don't even know that like, I would not be surprised if it's longer than that. Like he may miss more time than the first four games. We're not really sure. He's not ready to practice yet. And this guy worked out with the team was with the team has done everything the coaches have asked of him. He does have his own personal guys that he works out with, too. That's been cleared through the team. I know what his work ethic is. I know how badly he wants to win. I think there was a little friction last year, and it was about technique that Rivera and his coaches wanted him to play that he wasn't implementing, and they were frustrated you know, with him a little bit. But that's been cleared up, and 
what happened today is nothing that is wasn't anticipated at all. So, you know, like, I will <laughs> stand up and tell everybody, like, <laughs> nothing here has happened that was not completely, utterly anticipated. And what's most important, and I agree with this, they've got to get him healthy before he plays again. They cannot make the mistake of putting him out there at 80 90% and risk him ruining his knee for the rest of his career. He's too important for them. All right. Well, we just put that to bed. We put a nail in that coffin. Before we let you get out of here, Bram, what's your thoughts on this last preseason game? You expect any starter to play at all? And what's going to be the outcome? Uh, Rivera has said yes, I don't know. And I, you know, obviously I doubt it, but like, I don't know. And I don't know what it is about the Ravens and why it's their <laughs> that they have to win every preseason game. I know. Why are they so it pressed? Is, honestly, why are they so it's pressed? weird. I know it's really it's, weird. It's, it's weird. Like, that's not a coincidence anymore. They want to win all these games. They it's want to. weird. It's like a so I'm assuming we're going to lose because they care. Yeah, they so care. I'm like, so that's what I think is going to happen. <laughs> They care. Like, they care a lot. They really want to win the Super Bowl in the preseason. Well, Washington needs to take notes on that one. I, I, I look, 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 dude. Look, I told you. I had Steve Spurrier, dude. I'm t- like, like, that, that seemed like the best offense. I, okay, Bram, so I go back and forth between <laughs> broadcast and Rick Doc Walker. He said, this feels like a preseason game. I'm talking about the Chiefs-Commanders game, the yeah. second preseason game. But the Chiefs are the only team that treated it like that because according to this guy. For me? Yes. Why, preseason what? doesn't matter because you're scarred by Steve Sprayer. Let, you got to let the fun and gun go. Look, I, 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 look. Listen, you should have scored points against a Kansas City, a Kansas City defense that See, wasn't very good. they could have scored points. Things happen. Like, <laughs> things happen. Look, I'm yeah, using hard on you know the what? Like, I'm using hard on the team. Mahomes looked like an MVP. I mean, yeah, but that was ridiculous. He was in his bag. I mean, we, 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 he wasn't He his made bag. two utterly ridiculous Dude, throws. Well, and then every I time I see sh- that, I'm like, I don't understand why my entire lifetime we can't get a quarterback. <laughs> She's utterly ridiculous. He had London Fletcher excited. The the even kill London Fletcher was excited because everybody was talking about Patrick Mahomes. Was it a Commanders game that you all were supposed to be analyzing, or was it was it a Chiefs game? <laughs> exactly. At that venue with that quarterback, it's always a Chiefs. Game. <laughs> and you know what? Like like it was just you know, like that guy. He is. He is the greatest young quarterback I've ever seen. He's so utterly talented, ridiculous. And the, the one that really got me, it wasn't Rolling even left. that sidearm crazy thing. It was, no. so it was, that, it was that third and ten play. Mm. That there's a corner blitz. He gets hit in the head, yeah. and he throws a dime 40 yards to a receiver who's never going to play. <laughs> like, it was utterly ridiculous. <laughs> what got me was the shovel pass, like, on stride to the running back. Like he was in trouble, he yeah. just shoved it. And it was on, it was on. It was that it got there. He got the it got there on stride, where the running back could run in stride and get the first down on a third down play. You want to feel better about it too. He, I watched you know because I was preparing for the game. I watched them play their first preseason game. He did the same thing against Bears. It's crazy. Before. He's crazy. It was the same thing. Like you would thought he's midseason form. And so you know, like I yeah. wish, I really wish if we had scored. <laughs> like I just, don't, I don't think anybody would feel as bad about it. If we had scored some points Thank when you. we were across, Thank the you. That's all. Because if the score was 14 to 10, you exactly. know, and, and Wentz had a couple scoring drives, I think everybody would have been like, well, that's just Mahomes look, and whatever. Look, yeah. Look, look. It's not that. It's not that. It's not well, that the well here's the thing. <laughs> Jacksonville's coming. Fans are underestimating Jacksonville. I'm not. These, yeah. these, these preseason I'm games not. are important in terms of preparation, I think. Well, but, yeah, I mean, exactly. <laughs> like, 
here's here's what I would ask you. Do you even remember who we played in the preseason last year? No. 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 You don't. Only, Nobody only Baltimore. Only Baltimore. It make, do you, and if you could name them, do you remember if we won or lost? You I know don't. We, I know we like, lost to Baltimore. Matter. I know we lost to Baltimore. We play them every year. That's why I know. That's right. <laughs> could you name the other Nobody can remember that. This is true. All right. Well, it's been great having you. We, we've never had a quarterback in this town, even through the, the best years. I mean, no, no disrespect. One year, one but, year we had Griffin. Griffin was good. Was no, good. no, I'm just saying, no, I'm just, even going back to, to Doug Williams, Mark Rippon, they've never had like a stable franchise quarterback for years. Heath Shuler, Joe, Joe Gus Farad. That's that, yeah, all the way back. Oh, Sonny, just, Sonny oh, Jerkson. About, what, what, what are you talking about? What's the cutoff? What's the cutoff? I, I don't know. <laughs> Graham, how old are you, 45? Uh, how far back are we going? I don't know. But anyway, it's, it's, it's great having you. Look forward to hearing you during, during the course of the season. Thanks again for joining us. All right, guys. I'll see you. Appreciate it. <laughs> Bye, Bram. Oh, man, Bram's dope. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Good stuff. Preseason, to some degree, matters. I talk about training camp. That doesn't matter because that's when everybody's excited. Oh, man, Logan Thomas looks good in training camp. Now, again, that's a bad example because – He's just getting back, but everybody. Well, I'm just saying. I'm giving. I'm just giving what we hear from fans. A, a typical sentiment is: this person looks good. That person looks good. Listen, training camp is one thing. That's when no pads. You're playing against your own guys, but when you get when you line up against another team, that's when it gets that's real. You are no, the, the, I would say that. That's why the joint practices are, are so lit. Carlisle, though. right? Carlisle, Pittsburgh, Pittsburgh. exactly, exactly. That, Fox Five, Steve Fox Buckhead. Let's go. <laughs> anyway, Usyk beats Joshua again. Boxing expert Janny Signorella will Janny. join. Janny. Janny. Oh, sorry, you're right. Johnny. Right, Johnny. You're right. Johnny Signorella. Excuse me. Will join oh, us to discuss. Johnny boy. Usyk, oh, yeah. Joshua too. After the break, <laughs> you're listening to the Urban Sports Safe for Ija Jenning Deuces. Come on, man. Listening to the urban sports scene with myself, Wole, Ray Jeezy, the homie Will T is out, and we are part of Amplifier Media. Excuse me. Sorry. At AmplifierMedia.com. So I got, I got, I'm belching like crazy right now. All right. <laughs> right now. burritos before you come. No, right. <laughs> I suss myself out. <laughs> right now, we have boxing expert Johnny Signorello on the line. What's good, Johnny? What's good with you and yours, man? How's everything going out there? We're good, man. Oh, yeah, Johnny, it's only 5.30 where you are. I'm just thinking about that. <laughs> I know, right? It's, it's, yeah, it's yeah. dark here. <laughs> it's dark, <laughs> the sun is down. It's nice and cool out. <laughs> hey, it's good to have you, though, Johnny. Absolutely. 
And well, thank you for bringing me back, man. Of course. So always, always a fun time. And, and Alexander Usyk with his scary haircut. That's thanks. That's, that's, that's that, that is some WWE, WCW Monday Nitro. Turn out all the lights when he comes out. It's like this scary dude getting ready to punch somebody. He retained his his three heavyweight titles with a split decision victory over Anthony Joshua in the rematch on Saturday, a, a much-anticipated rematch in Saudi Arabia. Did this fight surprise you? AJ came to fight this time. I tell you what, you know, Anthony Joshua, man, the adjustments he made, the body shots were excellent. Yeah, they were. Um, yeah, he definitely made an adjustment, and you could tell Usek was bothered by it. But he also had to make an adjustment, yes. did Usek. And what an amazing fight. Like, I was hanging out at my homie's house. We're chilling. We're grilling. All that kind of good stuff Love that it. goes along with it. Maybe a little bit of cocktails. Yeah. <laughs> he was getting it. Johnny was getting it. <laughs> but I was like, after like the third round, I'm like, man, this is this is a one heck of a fight. Uh-huh. You know? And... uh I, I thought Joshua looked really good. He made the proper adjustments. He just couldn't get it done. Usek's such an amazing boxer. You know, like yes. he knows how to like use his stance and he knows how to use his trajectory of shots. Great jab, you know, and frustrate someone. But, you know, with Joshua, he, he just kept coming, man. Yeah. And those body shots, like they hurt. by the midway point of the fight, yes. I was like, these things might add up, man. Like, it, it was um, one excellent of a fight. I'm not going to say it's Bo Holyfield won, but it was it was excellent. This is what boxing needed. Yeah, it's wild because, you know, watching the fight, I had, watched, I had to go back and watch it to prepare for the show. And watching the fight, I was like, cause, you know, I was texting uh, Will and Ray, and, like, what, I, what I've seen on Twitter, like, folks are saying it's a close fight or whatnot, this, that, and the other. And I just wanted to judge it for myself. And you know, it went, you know, Josh Joshua was down like like he was down five four on my cards. I was doing my cards. He was down five four. So he but he was making a comeback. Because he was already down the fight. He was making a comeback. So he was down he had, you know, I had I had I had it like I had it five four. But then all of a sudden, after round that, 10. round yeah. ten, she got, geez, she I, got like, destroyed. Like round Usyk 10. just turned after getting hurt and munished in, in round nine. nine. Mm-hmm. Like how he turned it up and just dominated the the late rounds. That's what we call championship rounds. Like that to me just tells you enough about this dude. Like you just said, and you're right. Those body shots was killing him, but he turned it up. Some people kind of try to protect their ribs, well, try to protect you know their ribs or protect you know what I'm saying the body protect the, the body shot blows. But it was like no, he was like you know what I'm gonna turn it up. I'm gonna take my pace to another level. I'm gonna I'm gonna move a little bit more. And it got to a point where you could tell like his movement got Joshua tired too as well. It was the dude is masterful, man. He's a masterful boxer. It was a great, uh, you know, uh, fight of styles. Like, you know, you got Usyk on the southpaw stance, so his liver's up front. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Joshua could actually lean in with the left hook and hit that liver. And he certainly tried uh, multiple times. And you could tell that Usyk was, was damaged. He was totally damaged by those shots. And, I mean, Anthony Joshua is, you know... He's a big puncher, man. Yes, he is. He's a great athlete. He's a incredible athlete. And I loved what he did, not to jump ahead too far. No problem. Yeah. Afterwards, like, I loved the way he showed respect and he wore the Ukraine flag on his back. I'm like, that's what sportsmanship and what 
you know, um, combat sports are supposed to be balanced about discipline. But, you know, going in there, like, you know, watching this whole thing midway through, I was, like, kind of confused because it was such an ebb and flow type of fight Mm -hmm. where it's like in the beginning I I saw a better Joshua and then I saw Usek stepping up. Mm -hmm. And then all of a sudden, like, both these guys are fighting – you mentioned the ninth and the 10th the round of that fight, oh, geez, and geez. that was a big, big moment in that fight. It was. It was. Because Joshua started to burn. Mm-hmm. He started to gas out. He started to gas out. And I think that's, that's what Usyk was trying to do is burn out the fuel, you know, like that sort of thing. And the thing about with Joshua, like those big muscles, like <laughs> – don't pay a tax on the person, you know, that has those big muscles. It'll burn out. And so, like, with Usek, like, I mean, yeah, that haircut was whack. Let's talk about that. <laughs> let, let, let's talk about that. Yeah, I, like, don't I, mean, know I don't know what he was going for there. He's been going through a lot, man. Hold, hold up. I feel like it was an intimidation type of thing. You you saw the Little Giants when when they had the Tums in their mouth. Now, now intimidation. With, with yeah, that, that one, that one little patch. That's some scary looking stuff. Like if I had, if I came like in one patch of hair, you'd be like, "What's wrong with you?" Yeah, you're right. Nah, you know what I mean. <laughs> all he needed was some scary looking contacts, bro. And he, like I said, he would, he would scare all the kids in the a arena. Ukraine samurai, samurai soldier. Hey, hey, Johnny. Um, you you mentioned Joshua showing class after the fight. He did, but he also had a bit of a meltdown in the ring too. Where I, I think his emotions there, there got might the have best. Been a little bit of a meltdown there, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, where do you think he goes from here? There's still some good fights for him out there. Um, Wilder, of course, would be one of the more entertaining fights that we've been wanting to see. Anyway, I still think that's an excellent fight. But in your opinion, what do you see? For Anthony Joshua after another loss, and where he just seemed broken, he he cried during the press conference, um, and just seems like yeah, he, he, he doesn't crying. have that aura anymore. Yeah, I don't, yeah, I think aura's gone. The aura. He, aura. He, he was he was very emotional, and the <laughs> thing is, like I I know that there's a lot of passion involved in boxing and and combative sports and stuff like that. The thing that I have with him is that I think that where he goes next is with Deontay Wilder. Like, you hit the nail on the head, Barrel. Nail on the head. Like, I mean, 100%. That's the most logical fight. Like, Tyson Fury claims he's retired. And Usyk says that he doesn't want to fight unless he can fight Tyson Fury. Okay, that makes sense. Dollars make sense, like, obviously. And so I think that one of the best fights in the heavyweight division right now mm-hmm. is absolutely, you know, you give me Deontay Wilder versus Anthony Joshua, I'm all in. I'm all in. And the thing is, like, I have to say this early, is that I think Deontay will knock him out. We all know I love me some Deontay Wilder. Yes, you do. <laughs> you know? We know this. Yeah, yeah. We, we, we've done yeah. multiple shows together. We've done multiple shows. We know that you yes, love yes. You love Deontay. <laughs> I, I love Deontay Wilder. And, and I, I, I to think this day. That, um, to this day. To this day. <laughs> to this day. 100%. You know, even though he's got like a little small legs mm-hmm. and all that kind of stuff and people talk about, but he's got tremendous punching power. Mm-hmm. That you know, it's it's reminiscent of Mike Tyson ever. It's reminiscent of Tommy Hearns. Like 
I mean, Tommy Hearns was a thin dude, mm-hmm. but look how hard he punched. Mm-hmm. Like he punched hard. Mm-hmm. You know, the thing with with Deontay, I love his passion. Like I don't necessarily think that his game plan was good with some of the fights that he you know did, especially with Tyson Fury. Oh God, like, horrible. yeah, horrible game plan. Horrible game plan. But I, I don't think he's done. I, I still think he has what it takes. And he's he's so charismatic, man. You look at him, his you know, his whole persona, like everything about him is just wonderful. Like he looks like a champion, you know. And the thing is that he just met the wrong guy at the wrong time. Like styles make fights. You know, and for Deontay, I, I think that that would be a great fight for him, um, you know, against Joshua. Or if Usek has the, uh, you know, what, and, and, you know, in the sack, like, that that might be a little tough. It might be a little tough for Usek. Like, I mean, for Usek, I, I, know, I know who he wants. I know who he wants, Fury, because mm-hmm. that's where the money is. To be honest, I think that if Usyk was to fight Fury, he'd be in trouble. Like, the size differential and everything that goes along with it is just too much. It's a lot, man. It's a lot. Like, and Fury, like, there's a certain technique that he does, similar to Lennox Lewis. He'll lean on you. Mm -hmm. He'll use his physicality. Like, it's... Kill Wilder. Usek's not a big guy. Like, I mean, a lot of people compare, like, we all know, like, Holyfield's my guy. Yeah. So. Yeah. Cruz both the whole. Th- mm-hmm. Yep. And, and so he moved up from Cruz with heavy. So, yeah. yep. And his plea, like, you know, um, is on par to what Holyfield did. But the thing is, is that if you have a guy that is leaning on you that's huge, and, like, just kind of, like, taking away, seeping all your energy away. Yeah, that's tough, man. Like, Tyson Fury is really good at that. He's yeah. really good at being rough. But, but um, Johnny, this is what I would say to that, though. This is what would be playing devil's advocate. But you know, we've never seen Tyson, Tyson Fury with a, with a fellow scientist. Like, a, a dude that has all that in the, man, in, in the mind, you know what I mean? Like, in the ring. Other than maybe Klitschko, right? We could say Klitschko early, like Klitschko. But this is a dude that is scientific in the boxing ring. We talk about Usyk. And, and good enough with his, his footwork where he won't let you get to him. He can move around, try to cut off the ring, try to keep the, keep the boxer in the middle. Like, he's that talented in terms of his boxing IQ. We haven't seen Tyson Fury with a guy like that. No, we, we really haven't. Like, I mean, the Kalisco fight, that, that was a surprise. Yeah. Other than Kalisco, you know, maybe, yeah. And, 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 you know, Joshua showed a lot of like, grit and yeah. intestinal fortitude. And, um, but I think that fight took a lot out of him. Mm. That a lot of people, like, you know, might, like, underestimate, like, how much it took out. Like, yeah. he got dropped. He got hurt. And, and Kalisco hits you with a shot, bro. Yeah. You're going to get knocked into next week. Uh-huh. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah. And, um, but, you know, I, I think that there's a lot of great fights to still be made. You know, Tyson Fury's probably going to come back. Maybe he's jockeying for position to make money. 
and wanted to see, you know, what that last fight was going to be about with Usek and Joshua. Like, Joshua, excuse me, is a jackpot for him. Yeah. That's a jackpot. But Joshua didn't get it. So how much does Usek versus, you know, him pay against Fury? It's not really, I I mean, it's going to be good. It's not going to be bad, you know. They'll make more money than we do. <laughs> hey, Johnny, do me a favor, bro. Go back on. Go back. I, I guess to search online the amateur fight between Arthur Betterbiev and Alexander Usyk. That would be a great fight, where two guys with great skill. Usyk, of course, would have the size advantage, but Betterbiev knocks everybody out, and he stumbled Usyk twice in that fight. I think. If Fury is not going to come out of retirement, although he said long live the Gypsy King <laughs> on Twitter, <laughs> then that will be the fight to make if you're Usyk. And I would have Better Be of just move up. What do you think about that? Well, Better Be of moving up, like, he's a big boy mm-hmm. in general. And I think he should move up. And that's a great point. And, uh, you know, I want to go back and watch that fight. I've seen it before, but I want to go back and watch it. But Better Be of is one of the most dangerous animals on planet Earth in the boxing ring. And it's Russia versus Ukraine, too. Not to be funny, but it would be some serious tension going into that fight for the countries. And each fighter, I think, has respect for each other. Better be able to just, you know, good I think, like, he, I think he lives in Canada now. Sound like, like Rocky. I know. Like Rocky. But, but still, <laughs> it, it would be a big deal. Um, <laughs> Eddie, Hearn, Eddie Hearn would be all over that fight. I'm sure he would want to Throw be able to Throw in the that. towel. Throw in the towel. <laughs> no, it'd be like Rocky's speech when he, after he beat, uh, after he knocked, dude, he knocked out uh, Drago, his speech at the end. I love yeah, you. Dude. I, I love, love you. I love you. You could, you could change. <laughs> we could <can laughs> all, all change. change. Hey, stop Everybody could change. change. <laughs> <laughs> now, Rocky used to get hit at an 80% clip. You remember he fought. At, at the end of his career, he fought Mason the Lion Dixon. Yeah, and they're like, he's landing at an astounding 85% connection rate. Oh, Rocky. Hilarious movies, dude. Anyway. I tell you, Mason the Lion. Mason the Lion. Yeah, great, Tony great Tarver. guy. Great guy. Oh, he's so approachable. Mm-hmm. And, and the thing is, Mason the Lion Dixon is <laughs> one of the greatest characters. And a lot of people don't know this. That This was actually written for Roy Jones. Oh, was it? And Roy Jones, yeah. That character was written for Roy Jones, mm. and Roy was kind of like, nah, I'm going to pass. Mm. And even though he was doing, like, the Matrix and all that kind of stuff, and, you know, it's publicly out there, so I don't mind speaking yeah, about yeah, it. Yeah. But the whole thing is that, you know, he didn't want to do it for whatever reason. And then Sylvester Stallone went to Antonio Tarver. Got any excuses tonight, Roy? <laughs> oh, he took it back. He took it back. And that's that's your that's your guy too. Roy is your guy. Roy is my man. Like, dude, I tell you what, body and headbangers, like, woo, like that album like can't song. be touched. I kind of like that. I kind of like that album. That's like my. That's like my. That's like my. That's. Like an album, I'm like, I keep rolling out. Fat Joe said even Roy Jones was forced to lean back. Roy (laughs) Jones is about to, he's about to hurt Fat Joe. Anyway, Johnny, thanks so much for joining us. Yeah, Johnny, thanks for being on. Hey, before we let you go, Johnny, how can folks catch you on social media? All right, you catch me at Boxing Music John on uh, Twitter. You catch me on uh, Instagram, Facebook, all that kind of good stuff. And um, 
you know, just John Signorello, look it up. You know, I appreciate you guys. And I just, I just want to leave it with this. Yeah, like, boxing ahead. is in a great, great place right now. We are in a great place. You know, uh, the fights are starting to happen. They're talking about Spence, you know, Crawford, Crawford yeah. versus Crawford. Better oh, man. Oh, man. Oh, we're going to have FYI. We're going to win that. I game. knew it was coming. <laughs> what happens? You know what's going to happen? Roundtable. Good hit at Roundtable. Oh, Roundtable for sure. Yeah, we have And it. then we got, we got like Slop Fest, like Andy Ruiz versus Victor Ortiz. <laughs> what? It's, Lu- it's Luis Ortiz. Victor Ortiz got knocked out by, by uh, Floyd Mayweather when he put his hands down. This is Luis yep. King Kong Ortiz. <laughs> Good fight, though. Good stuff, Johnny. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm, tell, I'm telling you what, man. It's, it's crazy. We got Andy Ruiz versus Victor Ortiz, or, or you know, maybe I got the names wrong. Yeah, Lu- <laughs> Luis. 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 Yeah. Thank you. Luis Ortiz. Luis. You know, Luis Ortiz, yeah. I got my Ortiz's messed up. <laughs> but this is love, I love, I'm loving this, dude. <laughs> Well, and here's what's up. Hey. I mean, these are the, the fights we want to see, and this is what boxing is supposed to be. Yeah. It's like, even though it's a slop fest, people are like, oh, man, that's kind of like a slop fest. I'm like, yeah, it's, it's all good. So, you know, just just take it. <laughs> hey, enjoy. Just, enjoy it. And just enjoy it for its entertainment. Yeah. Absolutely. All right, guys. Thanks, so, man. Thank Take you it for easy. Thank you. Me yeah. on. Oh, you, you, you're welcome, Johnny. And like I said before, we're gonna, we're gonna get you, get you, get it all situated the round table. So just be be uh, beware. I'm it's in. Coming. I'm in. All right. I'm in. All right, Johnny. Take yep. it easy, my man. Peace. Peace. All right, man. That's Johnny. That's box. You can, you can hit Johnny on Twitter at boxing. You just want to skip this commercial and yeah, just we, go we straight skip, into the Donald Mitchell? Oh, okay. We skip, we skip. I just want to make sure. great to say. Let me, let me mention his, tw- his Twitter handle. That's Johnny's oh, Twitter definitely. handle is box, at Boxing Music John. That's at Boxing Music John. But that's – y- y- y'all heard the pregame. We talked about Donovan Mitchell. My man Ray. Yeah, I don't want to spend a oh, – let, let, let me give you – like. let me throw you the oop, all right? Let me throw you the oop, all right? All right. All right. <laughs> it's been reported that the New York Knicks have offered guard Evan Fournier – Four Obi Toppin and five. One, two, three, four, five. First round picks for Jazz guard Donovan Mitchell. Is Jonathan, is Mitchell worth the King's ransom? Man, that's that's a, a question that I feel like we we had this discussion on social media where it was basically put out there that Rudy Gobert, yeah. that trade sort of set the stage for these the types up. of astronomical deals where you're offering that many first round picks. But the real reason why I wanted to quickly just address this is because again, according to rumors, Danny Ainge likes the wizards assets better than he does the Knicks assets. And I know somebody on Twitter laughed at me uh, when I said that earlier. No, it's not bad. Like because the assets that Obi Toppin and what's that's, right, that's and Evan Fournier, right? That's, that's what I'm saying. Not, Danny Ainge, even in spite of the first, in spite of the, the the five first rounders, he scoffed at that. Yeah. But according to a source, the Wizards who were interested, the Wizards don't want to give up all those picks. Yeah. But with Kyle Kuzma, Rui Hachimura, and then a combination better. of Kispert or Denny, you got all first round picks there. Yeah. And Kyle Kuzma had one of his best seasons of his career last year. That's something that Danny Ainge value more. Now, if you were to make that deal if you were Washington. And Kuz then went to school in Utah. Right. Yeah. Then I believe that fans would want to pay to see 
a duo, while it may not make sense to many from a basketball yeah, standpoint right. or point of view, but still, would you want to pay to see Spider team up with Bill? You got two guys that are right on the cusp of being just stars in this league. I think you would, honestly, along with KP. You would have a nice squad. Will Barton, you got Monte Morris at the point. That's something that I think would be appealing to watch also. Remember, the Wizards, they made changes with the broadcasting because people weren't watching. They're trying to get more viewership. This would be a move that you could make, but you just you talking about mortgage in your future on Bill. You will really be selling out everything, going all in on Donovan and Bill. But like I said, I think it's one of those moves, like, for example, Brooklyn made. Brooklyn made that move where they acquired Paul Pierce, Kevin Garnett, after they were clearly done. But they're like, we're going to have an exciting squad to pair with Darren Williams. And you know what? They made the playoffs. The uniforms were dope. And they created a buzz. They sold out the arena in Brooklyn. Barclays. I just feel like the Wizards may have to do something outside the box in order to get the fans back, in order to create a buzz. It's not necessarily about the Knicks. I've been watching my man Armand Lee, who, like he said on Twitter, he he was on hiatus. (laughs) He came back. He came back back basically saying, y'all telling me Spider's worth this. He's calling BS. I'm saying maybe he's not worth that much because I believe that was your original question. But at the same time, what I want to know from the DMV and our listeners and all those who follow the Wizards, support the Wizards, is this a move the Wizards would make? Because, again, according to what I heard, Danny Ainge wants the assets that the Wizards have as opposed to Evan Fournier and Obi Toppin, who looks like – he looks like Teofimo Lopez to me so much. Obi Toppin is crazy. (laughs) Anyway, side note. Side note. I didn't think about that. I actually am. I will admit, I'm a Wizards fan. Yes, you are. As a Wizards fan, I did not want to see them sign Brad because I said that's too much. How are you going to build around him? But you already you, you made sorry, the, you it's it. done. It's done. The move is it. done. We can't. Yeah. We cannot get away from it now. Many said Brad is probably going to play two years. The Wizards will suck, and then he'll ask for a trade. If you bring in Spider, which again you have to make the move with Brad's approval, I'm assuming. Yeah. I believe Brad would say, you know what, this duo might be able to make some noise. In the Eastern Conference, it's going to be tough with KD now saying he's staying with Brooklyn. You already got the defending uh, Eastern Conference champs, Jason Tatum just emerging. But um, Milwaukee, you can't count them out. The Sixers, of course, with Joel, who is just a stud, and they got some help with P.J. Tucker coming this year. You got Miami, Jimmy Butler, who has elevated that franchise after years of them getting past LeBron James leaving it's amazing what the top of the East looks like. And if you want to be in that discussion, you might have to make that move. And what's the downside? Okay, you don't win necessarily. These guys are still two individuals that will have great trade value if it doesn't work out. Mm, that's a good point. Uh, so on Twitter, in terms of if is um, Mitchell worth the king's ransom, uh, on Twitter, uh, Barbershop Sports Talk Podcast. Oh, yeah, we were talking. <laughs> he, may, he, <laughs> he may not be, but that's the market that was set up by the Rudy, Rudy Gobert trade. Yeah, it's like I feel like, to me, like you dictate the new market. Like, so if you're going to say Rudy Gobert isn't worth, you know, Rudy Gobert got this crazy, like the Jazz got this crazy amount for Rudy Gobert, right? So if you're, if you're Danny Ainge, obviously you're going to think that, all right, if I got this for Rudy Gobert, like, what do you think I got to get? What do you, you got? What you, what you think you're going to give up to get Spider? You know what I'm saying? You know what I'm saying? So I get it. Like, I don't think he's worth it, but I get it. Um, in terms of, to your question about the Wizards, I don't think, in terms of basketball sense, it depends it makes on what, sense. what's the goal. Like, what's the goal? Is the goal to, to, to excite the fans or is the goal to, to win? A little bit of both. I don't think it wins. I think it, 
it don't think it wins. I don't think it does anything different in terms of what they're about. Like, mm. I don't think that, like, because then, then you got to think about how, how, did they, how do they work together? How do they coincide? They're both two similar players. How do they coincide? Like, how does it really work? Excellent point. Well, who's going to set up who? Like how and it, defensively, they it, would be, yeah, they would be like bad. Not, and it's not a knock. I think, so th- everybody has to have a role on the team, right? You can't have two A's. You okay. can't. It sounds good. It sounds good. They had Russ. Huh? They had Russ. You can't have two A's. <laughs> I know what I'm saying. At least they made the playoffs. Who, one, somebody was the A for real. You can't have two A's. Okay. You get what I'm saying? So you're going to have to do One player has, like, so, so we're looking at the egos of a particular of players now, right? The Warriors have done it. Who's the A? Look, Who's the one A? There's only one A. Clay. Oh, on what team? The Warriors. Who's the A? Who's the Steph. Who's the second? He's, Steph is the real A. Okay. Yeah, I'm but saying, you said a one A, right? No, 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 no. I'm saying you can only have one A. Like, oh, I'm, oh, you know what I mean? Like, you got to. Th- you know what I'm thinking? One A, one B. Yeah, please. I'm talking about Wayne. So this situation. Let this me let one, you finish. Yeah, yeah, I'll, I'll you. give my, my yeah. rebuttal. This situation, one dude has aimed to be the mega dog, the alpha dog, period. That's what he wants to be. He stated it's, it's, it's been obvious. And it's been to the deterrent of the team to a point that the guy that you just Tom, mentioned. Tom Brad, yes. Yeah, the guy that you just mentioned, he, he was here. He ain't here no more. <laughs> By his own accord. But he's not here no more. I'm, I'm, I, get you, I, I guarantee there's a particular reason why if you wanted to happen. It, it's a reason why it happened. Put okay. It that way. All right. So you're bringing Spider, Spider in, Spider Mitchell. Who's 1A? Who would be 1A in, in that situation? Who would be 1? Sorry, not for, forget the A. Who would be 1? And B and B. And be honest about it. Who would be one from from success? Spider. Exactly. So you think the other dude's gonna be? He's already been B before. He's been two. Sorry, he's been two before, but John Wall and didn't really like it. Things gonna be two with Spider. I want to say this. I'm not debating you at all. I 100 percent agree with everything you're saying. This is just a fun discussion. Yeah, I know exactly, exactly. But here's the thing. You mentioned is this about entertainment? Putting fans in the stands is about winning. Yeah. Listen, you probably ain't gonna win regardless. I'm- so why not just do it? I and was, that way you got the entertainment value at least. Right now, you don't really have the entertainment value. The fans don't want to be there. The fans aren't watching. And you're losing. I would rather be an entertaining mess than be somebody who is losing and you're not getting people watching. So that's what I would choose. Now, again, I'm not saying that makes a whole lot of sense no, from a basketball standpoint. It absolutely no, doesn't. Listen, what you're listen, saying is totally no, right. Bradley to Bill wouldn't even approve it. So it's just a fun discussion, as no, I said. I'm with you. Listen to me. But I would do it to me. just for that point. Listen to me. And I would trade them guys later on Listen if it don't work me. out because because people want them. Believe this. I agree with you. <laughs> I Look, know what I'm saying. I'm being real. I like, agree I with you. Too. I, mean, I agree with you. Like that's what I'm saying. That's why I asked the, the first question was, what is it? What is the goal? If you're the organ, if you're running the organization, if your goal is to win, then no. Win, win, if, win, if win. If your goal, if you look at it like it don't matter, we ain't gonna win, but I'm a, we gonna have fun. Then you make the trade. Yeah, see, Tommy Tommy believes that they can win. I actually believe, again, they can be competitive with the right coaching strategy in place. Defensive for mindset. I believe they can be in a playing spot and then potentially play, them, play themselves into so, the playoffs. So, so this is why I agree. Because like, you're competing against the Knicks, against yeah, the Hawks. I agree. Against so that I, tier. Yeah, I agree that they can win games. Like, yeah, to a definitely. But my thing is when you get – like when we talk about the numbers that these dudes produce, right, because now you're going to be locked into these dudes. You know what I'm saying? The numbers that these dudes are going to produce, then it's like – Damn, like you expect to to win win. Like you know what I'm saying? You expect to win. But if you don't produce those type of numbers, like and you just give me some regular numbers, then I'm like, ah, who knows, bro? Yeah, great discussion. I would love for the people to chime in and just let us know your thoughts about if the Wiz were to make that move. Five first rounders, plus the combination of Kuzma, 
Rui and you know it's gonna be Kispert or Denny. You know, like a lot of people are gonna carry it because my man Barbershop was like, man, the Wiz ain't got assets, laugh out loud or whatever, which was hilarious uh, oh, by the way. Oh, I told he you, did. I, I like, I told you, you know, I like. The I think assets. the Wiz assets are better. I think people under, it's better than Obi Toppin and Evan look, Fournier. Eric, look, if you I'm went, sorry. this is my like the Knicks got good assets, but they ain't, they ain't offer them. They ain't offer. Of course not. That's what I said. That's they ain't, they ain't offer quickly. If you, yeah, if you went offer uh Duke from Duke, right? You ain't offer him. Then then like Obi Toppin is not RJ Barrett. Anyway, yeah. Obi Toppin is not. Dang, crazy. we needed more time. Yeah, I know, right? You it was actually a good discussion. You told, you told me I won't talk about it, but hey, we still talk about it. Thank it's you, good, though. You know, exactly. I got As part of our HBCU Corner segment, we'll play our pre tape interview with Norfolk State men's basketball coach. He's a friend of the show, Robert Jones. After the break, you listen to Urban Sports Scene. Bye, just your dick and deuces. <laughs> Sports scene with myself, Wole, and Ray Gigi, the homie Will T is out, and we are part of Empire Media at AmpireMedia.com. All right, we want to thank you all for listening in and tuning into the to the show. We appreciate everything you do. Appreciate you know the love that you all send us and show us. Uh, but before we sign off, listen to uh, listen into our HBCU Corner interview with. Norfolk State University men's basketball coach Robert Jones. Again, thanks and enjoy, and you all stay blessed. You're listening to the Urban Sports Scene on Empire Media at EmpireMedia.com. I'd like to introduce our next guest, who I consider a friend of the show, as he's already made multiple appearances on this show, along with me, Mole, of course, my man Will T. He's led the Norfolk State's men's basketball program to consecutive NCAA tournament appearances, which included a win in the opening round of the 2021 tournament against Appalachian State. He's also had a busy 2022 that includes coaching in the HBCU All-Star Game, as well as the basketball tournament, also known as TBT, where he led HBCU United to two impressive victories. And did I, did I mention my man is the reigning MEAC Coach of the Year? Our guest, of course, is none other than head coach Robert Jones. Welcome back, coach. Hey, what's up? What's up, man? How you doing? Good. All right. Good to have you. Yeah, you, you, had a, you. You had a busy summer. Yeah, a little bit. <laughs> I would call it that. No doubt. All right. Well, well, coach, you know, usually what we do here on HBCU Corner, we like to talk, get the landscape of homecoming. So I want to get, I want to ask you, how what's, how is Norfolk State's homecoming? How's the homecoming? Yeah. <laughs> I wasn't expecting that question. Yeah. Exactly. You see, see what we did there? <laughs> we told you about the season and basketball or something. But, uh, it's coming. Yeah. <laughs> I know the homecoming is good. I mean, you know, I think it's underrated, you know, with different things. Um, you know, but, I mean, it, it seems like it's fun. I don't mean, I, you know, it's doing basketball season, so I'm not doing a whole bunch with it, but it seems like it's pretty cool, so. 
I will ask another question, a little, a little fun question. So Ray and I, our goal is eventually to, to, to tap into all the HBCU, school, HBCU schools and Norfolk State's on the list. Mm-hmm. So we want. So we, if we go down there, like, what is a fun place to eat at? Uh, it depends on what you like. You know, I think that uh, there's, there's something for everyone. I mean, we have way more than what people think that we have. Uh, but there's a, there's a lot of seafood places. And, I mean, you go anywhere okay. you want to. There's a lot of places that you can go to to eat, um, you know, food with and stuff like that. So, you know, it just – just depends on what you like, uh, but some of my favorite places I would say is like Chops in Virginia Beach. Okay. Um, uh, Cobalt Grill is pretty good in Virginia Beach. Uh, down in Norfolk, Bird and Baldwin, stuff like that. So it's the Bird and Baldwin Steakhouse. So it's, I mean, it just depends on what you like. Oh, you got me with seafood, so you're you're they're already winning right now. <laughs> oh, see, Coach, you like to eat. You ain't selling us on homecoming, but you naming a bunch of restaurants. So. <laughs> I know yeah, you've been yeah, down there yeah, for yeah, a minute. Gotta, gotta eat, man. You know what I'm saying? Like, Facts. homecoming is homecoming, but dinner is every day. Facts. <laughs> okay, so so real quick, when we had you on a, a few shows ago, you had mentioned it was kind of a transition going from NY to, of course, down there in the Tidewater area. So is there a big difference between the food back home between where you are now in comparison uh, the, to where you are now? The biggest difference is that, I mean, of course, New York City got more choices you know, more restaurants, but uh, I mean, there's very similar restaurants here. The, the, the probably the biggest difference is that New York, you can get a meal at two in the morning if you want to. Down here at two in the morning, <laughs> you can go eat ramen noodles. It's over. Tracks. It's done. So true. So true. Right? That's the that's probably the biggest difference. It's not really like necessarily the actual food taste because you could, there's a lot of good places down here. I just came from down there. I I, I love it down there. I just love the, the water, the, the beach atmosphere. So that, that got me sold. I ain't tripping off the food. I can cook. If you hear some background noise, I know we're doing an interview, but it's like a, a hailstorm outside. It just came out of nowhere. Oh, we got one here too. It's coming here too. What's going on right now? So, but, uh, so if you hear some some uh, some some sounds in the background, I don't know what the, what's going on outside right now. So, Ray, you want to go with the first question? Absolutely, man. So, <laughs> coach, based on your recent success, you talked about just scheduling bigger games and talking about, I mean, I'm sorry, taking a step up in competition as your program continues to evolve. And now after, of course, back-to-back NCAA tournament appearances, what has scheduling been like this offseason? Are you scheduling those bigger games that you want to see? Are you looking at possibly getting some televised games? What's your mindset when it, when it came to scheduling games this coming season? Uh, scheduling has been extremely hard. I mean, we got our schedule done finally, but it was extremely hard to get done because – um, you know, a lot of like opponents, you know, that you would say a lot of mid majors, they don't want to play because they, they, you know, they a little fearful of that of that game now. You know, maybe they weren't fearful before, but they're very fearful of that game. And even a lot of high majors, like it's kind of like ducking and dodging a little bit. Uh-huh. So, like some of the teams that we got on the schedule, um, people are going to see the schedule and they're going to be like, "Oh, wow, you guys got three top ten teams, which we got Baylor, Houston, and UCLA, and all three of those teams will be ranked in the preseason top 10. So it's going to seem like our schedule is like super powerful and things like that. But um, I would be, I wouldn't, I'm not going to lie to you guys. We weren't trying to get three top 10. <laughs> you know, it's like, it was like out of like, out of necessity that we said, hey, you know, we got to play somebody. Um, now we did want to up, up the schedule a little bit because we said that when we get back, you know, hopefully we get back to the NCAA tournament, that it won't be like a shock when we play in the first round. So, I mean, mm. now this year with three top 10 schools, we're going to get plenty of practice. If we you know, are fortunate enough to get back to the NCAA tournament, which we know is a, a hard task, I think that, you know, when you go back to back, 
Um, I don't really take it for granted, but some people might think like, oh, you go back to back, you got most of the team returning, you got you guys going three peak. Uh, it's just not mm. that. It's not that simple. So um, that's why I keep saying that we're fortunate enough to go back to the tournament. Then we should be well, uh, more than ballot battle tested, ready for the for that whatever who we play in the first game. At that big moment. Well, yeah. you just gave a perfect answer because it's a segue to my next question. You say it's hard to get back. Um, being champions in the MEAC for consecutive years, you expect that target to remain on your back. I'm sure. And on paper, I'm just be honest with, with what we do. The me, I look like it's going to be tough for this upcoming season um, in terms of just the strength of competition. Uh-huh. Is there any change to your approach or preparation as the conference gets tougher? No, I mean, it was tough last year. You know, it was wow. tough the first year. It was tough the COVID year that when we won the first one. You know, um, it's just going to get tougher and, 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 and tougher. You know, I think they're, there's quality coaches in the MEAC and they're doing good jobs of trying to get quality talent that comes to the MEAC. Um, you know, that, so the MEAC still, you know, it's still going to be underrated for, you know, various reasons that, that people can try to digest, um, you know, you know, whatever, right? But it's like, um, it's, it's definitely uh, tougher than what people think. And then, like, you got teams like, you know, us, we return, you know, we're fortunate to return a lot of guys. Um, 11 guys returning is unheard of in this era, you know. So um, we're extremely blessed to have that kind of continuity, which mm-hmm. I've never had in my career. So I'm really, I'm really almost anxious to see how it could play out and not necessarily play out with the with the MEAC tournament, but it's like, because um, you got to be lucky. I mean, honestly, you got to be lucky to win that tournament, for real. Like, you got to be good and lucky at the same time. It's like, but um, yeah. I'm, I'm curious to see how it's going to play out in the non-conference schedule. Like, now mm-hmm. we got a lot of guys battle-tested. You know, a lot of guys have got uh, veteran stuff going on. A lot of guys with, like, 100 games under their belt. You know, now are we going to be able to be even better in the non-conference? You know, last year finished at 24-7. We, you know, we, we won a lot of non-conference games. Uh-huh. But can we even win more? Like, how can we, you know, will we be able to perform even better in those games against the top 10 schools? And we know beating those teams are going to be tough, but, um, you know, how, you know, can we sneak one or two of those? Because, like, uh-huh. you know, we're very, we're going to be very, very battle tested, very, very, like, a, a real veteran leadership, which I've never had in my whole time um, here. So I am a little anxious, a little curious about how that's going to, play out um but nothing's guaranteed though <laughs> by any means well coach you pretty much answered the next question uh, for real but i'm gonna actually like, <laughs> I'm, 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 all your questions for you. i know because <laughs> you look man you, you got it man you obviously you've done this before this is the you've done this enough you know what i'm yeah. saying so I, i'm gonna have to like change my question a little bit so in terms you got you have a you know you have a solid squad returning in terms yeah. of folks you know you just mentioned that but tell us about your recruits how is that recru- how's the recruiting process and the new guy the new cats you have coming on the team you know, we we really don't have a lot of guys coming to the team. I'm not gonna lie to you, okay. man. Like, uh, we got a really good freshman, um, George Beal, and um, you know, he's a kid that, that averaged about 25 points a game. Made like all state wow. in Virginia. Uh, he had committed somewhere else, but he decommitted and came to us. Cool. And um, so that's that was a good good pickup for us. You know, um, I think that obviously George's best basketballs will be down the road, and not because he can't play right now, but because there's so many other guys that's there. That's gonna be a, you know it's a log jam for minutes. You know, honestly. So, but we are happy to have him in our program. Six four guard, great. You know, great scorer, things like that. Uh, mm-hmm. College ready body. Then we got um, uh, Jack Dumbia, who, who came from um, uh, Tallahassee Community College, and uh, you know he made all panhandle down there. Which we you know we know that Florida JUCOs are like a, one of the better JUCO you know conferences in the country. You know, they always look at Florida, Texas, things like that. You know, some of the better JUCO conferences. And he was able to make first team on the second team, I think, down there. 
So that, that was great. Um, so we look forward to him, um, 6'5 guard. And um, then we have uh, uh, one more young man. Oh, Gil, Gilbert Brown, um, who's uh, coming from uh, another junior college. And, uh, you know, he's going to be a point guard, you know. So he's going to be – he's got to fight for minutes. But uh, we think that he could be a good, um, a good fit for us down the stretch, um, you know, as well. That's cool. Like the comp, you know, competition iron sharpens iron, obviously. So you have you have a sharp squad. So you know we've had this individual on the show, but other than Joe Bryant, who was who was two, who was twenty twenty one twenty twenty two NEAC Player of the Year, where are some other players that you know we should folks look out look out for on your squad? Uh, of course, Chris Bankston. You know, um, Chris Bankston is a kid that uh, you know. I think he led the NCAA with dunks and field goal percentage last year, if I'm not mistaken. Uh-huh. Um, you know, he's a you know, high-flying athlete, extremely good athlete, uh, but he's 6'9", though, you know. So with that being said, he has had some NBA interest. Uh, we'll see how that pans out for him this year. But, um, you know, there has been some teams that have contacted us about, um, uh, you know, just kind of keep up with him because 6'9", with a 42-inch vertical, mm. is something attractive to them. <laughs> you know, so, yeah. you know, I mean. These uh, kids got so much bounce now, I tell you. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> at that, at him, that height, like you know, for him, with the way the game is, as long as you're able to catch the ball and and on a pick and roll and, and dunk it, like you got a chance, you know. Yes, so, big time. Um, you know, no one's really looking for like the guy to throw it to in the post to go get, you know. Uh-huh. Like we might look for that a little bit at college still, yeah. but not really in the pro game. So True. he has one of those games that could translate, you know, potentially at the next level because uh-huh. of his athleticism. So um, he's definitely somebody to look after. I mean, 100 percent without question. And, um, you know, Dana Tate was a kid that averaged 14 and nine for us in the MEAC tournament. Yeah. Yeah, and, um, you know, we think that if he if he has his mind right, he can do that all year. And that would be, a, I mean, that would be tremendous. You know, that would be like a real big three for us because we know Joe is going to get be Joe. And yeah. you know, hopefully Bankston is going to be Bankston. Now we get that third guy now. You know, that's a heck of a trio to look after. Like, you know, when you're in college, if you've got three guys that really could put some pressure on the scout, you know, it's, it's tough to guard, you know. Because most college teams got that, you know, everybody got at least one guy. Even the worst teams got at least one guy you got to worry about. <laughs> I, mean, let's be honest. I mean, they got this team that win two games, three games, but you got to worry about that one guy going for 30, right? You know what I'm saying? So everybody got one guy, you know. Oh, and some of the bad teams got two guys, you know. And, you know, the really good teams got those three, four guys that you like, you know, how am I going to – because you can't stop all four people. I don't care what kind of coach you think you are. You're not going to stop, you know, all four people. You got to pick two out of four or, you know, mm. uh, hopefully one out of four. So, um, you know, it's just – if we can get uh, Dana Tate to, to step up and, and get, like, you know, about that 14 and 9, 14 and 8 type range. And then, you know, whoever else, Christian Ings is coming back. Christian Ings was hurt, um, you know, in the latter part of the season. He was our starting point guard for most of the year. But he, like, the last four or five games he was hurt. And we were still rolling, so it was like once he came back, he kind of um, his minutes wasn't there because right. just not going to sacrifice the team for one you know one person, and um, you know it, it worked. You know we won the championship, so mm-hmm. he, he he couldn't be mad too much, and it's all good, you know. But he'll be back this year. But it's also big to have you know Joe Br- Joe Bryan coming back though, right? It was big for the program. Oh no, it's huge. I mean, mm-hmm. him and him and Bankston honestly should be like one of the better duos in mid major basketball, like mm-hmm. you know. Forget about like you know, HBCU basketball. I, I don't try to like um, go around HBCU basketball or anything like that. But it's just like sometimes I think you get thrown into like this box of like HBCU basketball. Like what the hell is that supposed to mean exactly? Like, you know what I mean? It's like you know, it's like you're yeah, you're HBCU, but what is HBCU basketball? So 
It's almost around kind of frustrating when you get like things like the HBCU National Coach of the Year or the like. Okay, that's cool, and it, it is a great honor. But what is what is that? You know, like why do we why do we have to keep putting ourselves into those kind of boxes? Yes, we're at HBCU. Yes, you know, Morgan State, Central, Howard. Yes, they are all HBCUs. But yes, we are mid majors that play good basketball. So let's let's be a mid major. That's why like one of the biggest accomplishments for us last year, I think. It has nothing to do with any of the Coach of the Year awards, except for maybe the, the Hugh Durham award that I got was like the best mid-major Coach of the Year nationally. That meant a lot because it showed, you know, coming from an HBCU, you can get one of those kind of awards. And then I think also for a team award um, was the, was finishing number 16 in the country yeah. for a mid-major poll. Um, and like that had nothing to do with HBCUs. That's oh. all the mid-majors in the country. We finished 16 in the country. So those two type of awards, really like were probably the, the standout out of all the accolades of the team and the program and myself, you know, got last year. Cause it just shows that like, you know, we're, you know, yes, we're HBCU. Yes. We, we, we have, we're deep rooted and we, we understand that, but we are a mid-major power at this right. point. And we need Absolutely. to be a mid-major power. Absolutely. While we do this. It's wild. We, we just had a uh, Grambling state football coach, Hugh Jackson say the same thing. Like same not, thing. it's not just an HBCU. It's like you're trying to diminish the program by just saying, it's a HBC. What's a, what's HBCU football? What's HBCU basketball? Like yeah. now, nah, like you said, it's a mid major. It's a football program. It's a basketball program. Stop it's trying to put this more title more like it's something like less a, than a, a separate division or something. Yeah, like exactly. That. You know what I mean? Like, like, and I gotta think, get them dollars now. That's it. And I think that a lot of times when you even say that, you know, I know a lot of times we fight the fight about how to be fully recognized among yeah. you know national competition, mm-hmm. but when we keep doing that to ourselves, saying HBCU basketball, HBCU football, whatever. <laughs> uh-huh. yeah, you're like, doing it to yourself. Like, you know, if you just kind of take it away, hey, yes, we're at HBCU, but we're a mid-major football exactly. program. We're a mid-major basketball program. And, like, we got to start looking at, you know, like, like what I do is I look at what other mid-major programs are doing. Like, I don't uh-huh. – and it's no disrespect to anybody in the MEAC or SWAC or anything. Like, I don't really care what none of those other programs are doing, to be honest uh-huh. with you. Like, I think that – Whatever they're doing, we probably doing something comparable to. Yeah. I mean, you know, whatever. I'm looking at what Murray State is doing, what uh, what mm-hmm. you know, what what Loyola Chicago is doing, like stuff like like that to try to bring back to Norfolk State to uh, get us in those same breaths as um as those institutions, you know, that that are, that are there. You know, I'm not, you know, it's not about the whole HBCU thing. It's just no, like, oh, I totally agree with that way of thinking. To be honest with you, I totally agree. So, Coach, in April, you coached in the inaugural. <laughs> HBCU yeah, right All-Star <laughs> Game, bro. Right back to it. Huh? What we go right back to HBCU. <laughs> I know, but I got to. I mean, it's still, it still it is what it is. We got to go with the flow. We, no, no, go we, we just want to know what the experience was like. That's all. <laughs> yeah. Oh, so, but you did lead your know, team, McLendon, to a, you know, to a 75, to a 79, 75 win over Team Games. Can you at least yeah. tell us about that experience? Oh, it was great, man. Now, now, I will say it was a great platform for HBCU players, yeah. you know, to be put on national TV, um, you know, CBS, you know, I mean, CBS is as national as you're going to get. I mean, even the people with uh, with with, uh, with pirated cable got CBS, right? Like, everybody, uh-huh. like, you know, everybody got CBS, right? You know what I'm saying? So, that's know, like, you know, that's, that's national. That's national national. That's not like ESPN or TNT or whatever. CBS, everybody got CBS. So um, to be on that platform was tremendous for those guys. And some of those guys, you know, transformed that into, um, you know, like those two guys that played in Summer League, Kyle Foster and uh, Bryson Gresham played in NBA Summer League. 
couple of those other guys end up going to like that NBA HBCU like combine thing that they uh-huh. had or whatever, end up translating that into like some money overseas and stuff. So it worked out, you know, good for everybody. I mean, myself and the rest of the coaches, we got some national exposure that, um, you know, we got some good things set, set about us on the on air to people that might not have known, you know, anything about myself or, um, you know, uh, uh, coach, uh, coach, coach Bussy, you know, um, or anything like that. So it was, it was great for, for everybody involved. And then, honestly, to have it at the Final Four, just the things that, they, that we were able to do, uh, you know, going to the Final Four game, um, you know, we had a suite and everything like that. So that was great. And then, like, a lot of celebrities, Magic Johnson, Jamie Foxx, um, you know, came mm-hmm. by the suite to check on the guys, say hello to the guys, stuff like that. So it was all, like, it was just a great atmosphere, you know, honestly. And you, you got go see HB, HBC, oh, you, you, you got to Johnson before me? <laughs> huh? like, I'm still trying to meet Magic Johnson. You, you got to meet Magic Johnson before me? That's like, like my time. idol, man. That's like the third time I met Magic Johnson. Uh-huh. What'd you say? That's like the third time I met Magic Johnson. Man, now you glow. Now you glow. <laughs> <laughs> Three zero, bro. Three zero. Sorry. Three zero. Hey, 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 coach. So you can't get mad at me for the next question because your TBT squad wasn't called Mid Major United. Y'all was called <laughs> HBC United. So listen. Not just the that had nothing to do with HBCU though. Like it was a dope experience being on Rucker Park yeah, and man. you showed some emotion. You was lit after the game, man. Look at Coach Jones, man. He out there, you know, jumping around with the team and, and smiling. You know, usually you, you just get that even kill. So what was the experience like, especially going back home? Well, well, first of all, let me tell you something about that, Ray, about the, the, the celebration. You know, they said the team with the with the littest celebration got ten thousand right. dollars. I know. <laughs> I was trying to help, you know, get that ten thousand for the team. And I knew that if a coach got involved with it, they're going to look at it even different. Like, oh, like exactly what you said. Like, oh, the coach is involved. So, <laughs> you know, so I helped the team. I didn't get the $10,000 that we got for that celebration or whatever. But at the same token, it was like, it was an intense atmosphere. But yet also, it wasn't like a Norfolk State game, you know, or like um, a game in the NCAA tournament that that's now totally like on your career. You know what I mean? It's like, so you, it was a little bit of breath of fresh air after winning and stuff like that. And also, I think too, for me, it wasn't like a um, a level of excitement because it was it was another it was a different another challenge for me. You know, like it was like that was my first time coaching pros. You know what I'm saying? Like mm-hmm. ever in my life. So really going into the situation, I didn't really know how the pros would react to because I'm a college coach and I'm a coach and I'm a coach coach. You know, so like I'm a, I only know like one way. Like so like you know like the same intensity that I bring to Nova State, I did bring to the sideline of the TBT. So I didn't know how the, the pros were going to be, react to that, you know, and stuff. But the credit to those young men on that team, they reacted, you know, full, you know, full fledged to what I was trying to say. And I think that a lot of it was that because um, I coached against a lot of those guys, you know, I you know had success against a lot of those guys too. So I think they believed <laughs> in what I had to to say, you know, and it, it just all worked. And then from from day one, I just told them, man, like that last year, you know, the organization lost by thirty six in the first round. And I, and I said that I'm not, I, I didn't sign up for that. You know, like I didn't sign up to go on national TV to lose by 36. So, you know, let's do, you know, when, we, when we get to the little training camp together, like we're going to come here, we're going to get it right. And we're going to go up there and have a good showing. And then, um, you know, we got to wait to the, the record park final. Um, you know, I'm still a little salty that we, that we didn't win that game a little bit because I think that that team that lost, that we lost to went all the way to the championship. To the championship, I know. Yeah, I know. Yeah. So, um, you know, that, that, that was just like crazy. Um, but, um, you know, it was a great experience. And also me being from New York City, um, yeah. I've never co- coached in the Rucker, you know, That's and awesome, um, the thing I tell people all the time is that, um, that experience is that like, you know, I've coached in a lot of different venues at this point, NCAA tournament, 
just packed houses and stuff like that. When when Malik Trent hit that shot to win the first game in the corner, you know, those thousand people and that was in there, I think I think the capacity was seven fifty actually. But you know, I'm sure they snuck in some more, right? You of course. Know? So I'm gonna round up to a thousand, right? Those thousand people sounded like ten thousand it felt like ten thousand people were in there, man. I, I I'm not gonna lie to you. Like the energy in there was just un unmatched in there. So um, you know, I, it was it was it was great. You know, it was great. I get you. I was going crazy at home. So real quick, I got two more questions. My bad. Well, I got things. No, you good. Talk about the whole Elam ending thing. Like that's what made it so interesting. Like the second win y'all had, y'all were ahead by a good uh, maybe eight points, and y'all knew the target score, and it seemed like y'all tightened up a bit at the end of that. Does that change your mindset when you have an ending like that? Well, the, as a coach, the the, the Elam ending is crazy. I mean, that's like. The thing that, that happened to us was we still actually won that game by seven. Um, we won that game by seven. It wasn't that close. Uh, so I can't let you say like it was that close. <laughs> but but, um, but what I will say, though, is that the thing I was trying to use on the reverse side of it was that when we was losing to Autism Army in the in that championship game, that I was trying to tell the guys that exactly what you're saying, like, you know, with the Elam ending, like, you have to score. You can't, like, dribble the ball out. And right. win and hit some free throws or whatever and win the game. So it's totally different. So if you're on the opposite end of the Elam ending, it's like if you just continue to get stops, you know, you could really win the game. You know what I mean? And then like the, the clock is the, the time is not there's non-existent. You know, like all you gotta do is get stops and you can win the game. So once we realized that, and I, you know, maybe I broke it down to them in the huddle because like we were like we just had our heads down, man. It was like oh, they like oh, the game is over and stuff. Mm. And we ended up, you know, losing the uh, autism by four yeah. or whatever it was. But we were down like a little bit, but then we came back, you know, because it was like all right, y'all see that all we gotta do is stop them and we have a chance, you know. And then, you know, and you know how this fellas in real basketball. If I got a ten point lead with a minute left, like I'm probably gonna win the game. Yeah, you know what I'm saying, like. Yeah. Yeah, unless something crazy happens. Some Reggie Miller stuff. But point <laughs> lead in the Elam doesn't mean anything. Because if you don't score again, it's, you lose, you know? Take that L. So the Elam, I mean, you know, my, my sister coach, CJ Clemens, was with me up there in the Rucker, and uh, we were talking about it. And, like, it's, it's really, like, a different feel on the sidelines. Like, you really holding your breath on every shot. Like, this shot has to go in because – now it's gonna make the Elon drop a little bit or drop a, you know, like right, you know, right, right. It's crazy. Yeah, and you can't foul at the end either, which is crazy. I've seen so many games in that tournament end on a foul, and and a team went for the free throw line. It's like dang. But um, we gonna close out with this. We were just talking about you going back to New York City. We yeah. had a fun debate with a different coach on here about DC versus New York basketball. We ain't gonna go there today though. But one dude who's from this area, Kevin Durant, he came out with the NYC point guards um documentary you may yeah. or may not have seen it yet I've seen it. but who's your favorite point guard from new york um i told wole back a couple months i'll take mark jackson over stuff stuff on Marbury any day he vehemently disagreed we're gonna bring you in on the debate or just tell us who your favorite nyc point guard all the time is well with that debate i would uh, i would take Stephon on Marbury, i think to be honest thank you uh, you know, you. but but I'm not gonna fully debate it with you guys. I know that that's gonna be like a whole. That'll be like episode two of this. Exactly, this is fact. This is fact. Yes, we'll just, we'll just like leave it alone. You know, but that's just my personal opinion. Not saying nothing's wrong with Mark Jackson, great player, obviously. Um, but I just like Stephon Marbury's game a little better, and that's just my preference. You know, and that's just oh good. 
Yeah, you know, yeah. So, but <laughs> for me, I mean, the best point guard that I've that I seen in person, I tell people all the time, man, is Skip, Skip to my loop, like Rafer, like Rafer, man. And I don't want to make this interview even any longer than it needs to be, but <laughs> but you know, like, and, and Rafer now is a, is a is a friend of mine through like you know coaching and stuff like awesome. that, and and you know we beat him in the first yeah. round, you know, uh-huh. yeah, uh-huh. stuff like that. But Rafer did stuff that like. I've never seen done before. And not just with the ball, you know, with the tricks and stuff like that, but I, I grew up in Jamaica, Queens. So, like, he grew up in Jamaica, Queens as well. I've never seen anything that when you hear whispers that Skip might play tonight at, you know, the local park or the Rucker or wherever, how people will, like, the word travels and people will go to that park early just to see him come late because he only, he's only going to come at halftime probably wow. usually whatever. Like, I've never seen anything like that in my life. And I've seen a lot of good players play, you know, whether street ball or NBA or whatever the case is. But I've never seen, like, how, like, one guy, like a whisper of him playing, you know, captivates the whole neighborhood to be able to go show up to the park to be able to see him, you know, play. And then, of course, when he did play, I mean, he, he, gave, you, he gave you everything you wanted when he, when, he, when he played. I mean, he was a good player. And, and the one thing I will say about him, and he did in the NBA too, because you know, yeah, his steel his steel stats were pretty good. Was the thing that he's always trying to do, or at least what I what I saw that he tried to do was that he's going to come try to give you 30, 40, whatever it is, but he's going to also play defense. So now, if you're not scoring, it looks even worse. Like uh-huh. he just gave you 40 and you got 10. Like it really looks like he destroyed you now. So uh-huh. you know, one of my best memories of Skip Man was that there was in the uh, in the Park of Queens and um. Um, uh, not Lincoln Park, um, down there, 118. I forgot what park that was. But he was playing against a guy, Headache, right? So he so Headache is out there killing in the first um, half. Skip, of course, shows up customary, you know, halftime show. He shows up late, right? So as soon as Skip gets there, this is, fellas, this is, you know, I can't even make this stuff up. I don't know who had aspirin on the sideline, right? Like, people start throwing aspirin on the floor, saying like, yo, your headache is cured because wow. Skip is here. That's dope. You know? I mean, they had to stop the game because there's so much aspirin being thrown on the floor. I'm like, who has aspirin? Who just, who's just walking around the hood with aspirin on? Right? <laughs> aspirin in pocket, right? So he got there and he just went, I mean, he went crazy on, on, on Skip. And also another good point guard that was actually with him that game, which is a very underrated point guard. You guys probably know because he played at Georgetown, Dave Edwards or whatever. Dave Edwards was a really good point guard, man, that like gets the, doesn't get the, like, the love that he should get because he didn't get the NBA or whatever, but he had a heck of a career, though. Yeah, see, on the streets, some people, that's why I like Mark Jackson. I feel like the handles that he has, he didn't bring all that to the NBA. He played his role all around point guard. Anyway, Andre Barrett is probably my favorite point guard. Yeah, no lights can do it, man. I like Skip because, hey. you know, cause Skip can do both, man. He can do the, like, he can do the street ball and take, and then everybody heard about him prior. Yeah. Like, I know from around here, we heard about him prior. But then when we saw him in the league, it was like, oh, he can play. He can play that role as a point guard. Like he well, was versatile. Wasn't that what you're saying though? You said like you heard about him. He, he was like like a this mystery legend. Yeah, he was like, even he here. Like everybody heard about Skip. Like and one mixtapes, everything. Everybody heard about Skip. Crazy. You heard about him. He was like, oh, okay. So this is Skip. And then you seen the clips, and he like you thinking you're gonna see him in the league, but he played good league league basketball, yeah. which is totally <laughs> different playing street. Jamal Tinsley too, very underrated. Jamal oh, Tinsley. Oh. I used to love Tinsley. Hampton got him out of there. That's an HBCU guy right there because he got he got eliminated by, by Hampton. That's what I remember about you know, yeah, yeah. This is still an HBCU moment for us, bro. You know, I appreciate your insight. I'm glad that you brought the passion today. Like I said, man, it's always good to see you come out your, 
you know, that coaching character that you got going on. I need to, I need to find that. Uh, but thanks for joining us. You know, it's always a pleasure to have you. And just, yeah, we got we to gotta have you back, hopefully, during the season at some point. Wish you nothing but success. And we're going to be out there watching. All right, man. Appreciate y'all. Thanks. I appreciate you, Coach. Sure, man. Uh-huh.